Bridgestone Tires just rolled into Midas. And if you roll in, we've got an exclusive deal for you. Get $70 back in Bridgestone rebates, plus a $50 reward card with paid installation. Shop Bridgestone Tires at Midas.com. I'm Chris Van Oker, and I'm hosting a new podcast called The Van Oker Group. Once a month, I gather a panel of funny, brilliant, and partially unstable guests to discuss local and national politics. Subscribe to the Van Oker Group podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Music app, or Spreaker.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Let's Go Eat show. But before we get things rolling here, I want to ask you to do a favor for us. We could use your help uh, with a little bit of money. And And when I say a little bit of money, it's a very little bit of money, as you will find out. If you go to Patreon.com, and look for the Let's Go Eat show, you'll find it there. And there's a little subscription service. That's what Patreon is, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. It's a little subscription service, and we do special shows there, special editions of the Let's Go Eat show with different kinds of guests. They're short, mostly. They're very kind of short. Uh, We have, we play games, we uh, do just wacky stuff, and it's very different from the straight interview stuff we do on the Let's Go Eat show. So go check it out. Go to patreon.com. And then look for The Let's Go Eat Show. And if you're so inclined, subscribe. All right. Now, on to The Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, An interview with Robert Kirby. He's longtime columnist for the Salt Lake Tribune. He is... uh, Now, I had talked to Robert, or Kirby as he likes to be called. I had talked to Kirby uh, many years ago on the Radio From Hell show. And I'd forgotten a lot of the conversation. I also forgot what an act absolutely great conversationalist he is. Uh, We talk about uh, all kinds of things in this interview. We talk about the early days of the Mormon church. We talk about uh, how he gets in trouble sometimes for the way he writes about Mormons in his humor column. And we talk about how he's managed to remain faithful to the Mormon church in his own way all these years. And then right at the end, well, I won't spoil it. You just listen to the end. It's Robert Kirby Longtime columnist for the Salt Lake Tribune. Here it is, the Let's Go Eat show. I, uh, so Robert Kirby, columnist for the Salt Lake Tribune for uh, low many years now. Uh, Since 94. 1994. Uh, uh, how often do you uh, write a column? How many, t- how many times? Well, I started it- out once a week and then it moved on to um, three times a week. And, that, and that's where you are now at three times a week. That's a lot. Uh, it helps if you're full of crap. So. You know, you could even say full of shit if you wanted to <laughs> right. on, on on a podcast. I don't know if you I I don't know if you use language like that. Sometimes you do, I'll bet. How can you get through a day without certain words? You mean on the uh, the broadcast that we do over the airwaves? No, I mean oh. just anyone. Oh. I always like George Carlin uh, talking about the word shit. Do you remember? <laughs> he said he said everybody says that word. Everybody says because it became one of the banned words at the FCC. Right. And he said every everybody says the word shit. It's like your grandmother drops a, the casserole dish on the kitchen floor. She goes, oh shit. Yes. Even your grandma does. Right. You know? So I don't know how you get through the day without saying stuff like well, that. Well, I. I used it on my mission quite a bit. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you used it on your mission quite a yes. bit. You went. You were in Uruguay. Yes. Uh, what kind? I don't really know what kind of a country Uruguay is. It's f- fairly European, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's mostly European. Yeah. They um, when the Europeans moved in, they they massacred all the Indians, the native populations. Mm. 
So it's mostly Southern European, a little Northern European, but and uh, what uh, what are they Catholics or are they? Yeah, uh, they're mostly Catholics. By and large, Catholics. So yeah. so a young Mormon kid going to Uruguay at the age of seventeen, eighteen. Oh no, I had to wait a year. <laughs> oh, you did something bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Uh, no, let's just say it. It required the uh, approval of a general authority for I know me to go on a mission. I know what you did. I can <laughs> guess. I can guess. Because because women are attractive. Well, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. It starts like in the fourth grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I th- Well, I, you know, see, I think it started w- with me uh, in kindergarten because I remember riding the bus, school bus, with a little girl uh, who would show me her underpants. And I couldn't wait to get on that bus every morning. For me, it started in the second grade when the teacher, uh, Miss Bodie, this was in Zaragoza, Spain, dragged me out in the hallway with a yardstick, leaned over really close and got in my face. I could smell her perfume and everything. And she said, now, Bobby, do you want me to use this on you? And I clearly remember thinking, (laughs) yeah, actually, I kind of (laughs) do. That's great. Bobby, he, she called you. Who, does, does anybody call you Bobby anymore? No, not since I got big enough to make him stop. Yeah, you don't care for that? Well, my, da- my dad is Bob. I'm a junior. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you, do people mostly call you Robert, or do they call you Bob? Most people call me Kirby. Kirby. Yeah. What does your wife call you? <laughs> I mean. Hey, fat ass, get in here. Yeah. Um, no, she calls me Robert. Robert. All right. Uh, and what's her name? Her name's Irene. Irene. Oh, I love that name. Good, I do too. She doesn't. Good night, Irene is one of the great songs of all time. Yeah. Who? who uh, Lead Belly, maybe? First did it? I can't remember. It's been covered a number yeah. of times. I think it was Lead Belly uh, who did it first. Uh, but anyway, D- Dylan's looking it up right now. So you're a young man on your mission in uh, Uruguay. Yeah, you got it. Lead Belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's real. He sings it with a real gravelly. Good yeah. night, Irene. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you're on your mission in Uruguay. Uh, you you re- must have really, 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 really wanted to go because you said, well, I'll wait a year if I can get the clearance. Right. Um, it's People go on missions, you know, in the Mormon community for a variety of reasons. Um, the biggest one is that they actually want to go. Um for me, I have to be honest and say I went on a mission like people enter rehab. Because you thought it would fix it, it would break the cycle that I was in. Also put me in a better place um, emotionally. But unlike most missionaries, I'd already done some time in the military and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, this was before they came up with medication to sort of tone down the way I am. Oh, I see. <laughs> And uh, so I had a lot of really unhappy first companions. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, so, but did it work? Did it work for yeah, you the way you did. wanted it to? It did. Um, I, I had to come to terms with the fact that I thought differently than a lot of missionaries. Yeah. Um, and that's, this is not a church thing. This is a me thing. Yeah. That yes, you sort of have to process the information in a way that makes sense to you, or you can at least tolerate it. It's uh, it, that would explain why you've remained a, a member of the Mormon Church uh, for all these years. I would right. think I'm the only one in my family who goes to church. They, they did. Many of them used to go to church. 
Um, yeah, I met my wife on my mission in Uruguay. Often happens. Yep, what it was did. She, what was she doing there? She's a missionary. She's from Canada. Uh, a, a Mormon missionary. Yes, from Canada. Yeah, it's bad if you if you pick off Baptist missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably almost impossible. <laughs> Does that ever happen in the mission field? You're you're out there. Uh, Baptists send out missionaries. They pro- and Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witnesses. Yeah. They send them out. Proselytize quite a bit. You run into them. Ever uh, did you ever yeah. run into? Oh them? yeah, yeah. That must be a. a, a do they, are there fights? <laughs> Not that I ever saw. I no, that's just that just occurred to me. I never thought about that. Uh, so, so you you managed to use your mission as a therapeutic thing, and uh, also maybe convert some souls here and there. Yeah, I'm actually just last week I found one of them on Facebook. It's been like 45 years since I was a missionary. And you found this person on Facebook, still in the church and still faithful. Uh, no, no, no. Still, they have a you know a positive attitude, but there were some things mm-hmm. as they grew that they had some questions about, and eventually they just. Why left. do you you know? I will talk more about your life too and your writing, but I like I like your opinions on things too. Okay. Why do you think it is that people fall away from the Mormon Church so much? They and it seems to be more and more they do. Uh, for instance, you say nobody in your family goes to church anymore. My my sweet mother-in-law, who is just about as Mormon as can be, in eighty years old, and I think there's one of her kids of the five who's has stayed with the church. They've all fallen away, mm-hmm. and uh, which breaks her heart. I know it does. And then the one kid who stayed with the church, he has remained faithful into adulthood. But all of his kids, even the ones who went on missions, have fallen away. Right. What? Why is this happening? <clears throat> and why do guys like you stay? It. If you look back to, I mean, this. Uh, there was a similar occurrence with the Wittenberg Bible. You know, when they finally developed a printing press. And everybody who knew how to read could get their hands on a copy of the Bible. There was a real schism that developed in the Catholic Church out of that. We ended up with our, um, a lot of different, a lot of variations about Christianity. Martin Luther and right. all of that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, the same sort of thing is occurring, I believe, in the LDS Church where social media, um, it's not like we can cover things up anymore. And uh, we have we meaning the the Mormons, the church history, right? Yeah, it can't be uh, Leonard Arrington, the church historian, for a long time. Just his journals are being read now, and uh, there's a, he illustrates a lot of the difficulty that he had with the church about owning up to its history. He knew the history, and I think I read somewhere just recently that he, it's now coming out that he had fight after fight after fight with the general authorities. Correct. So, in essence, and again, this is my personal belief or my perception of it, this is a problem that we did to ourselves. By sitting on information and not letting people have access to the, to the reality of our history, they find out about it in the wrong places. They feel cheated and... Yeah, and, and lie. They feel lied to, right? Yeah, I mean, you can be lied to by omission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there is a so is there there is a schism then? As you, that's a great word to use. Do you 
Well, it started back in the 80s. I had a friend who was a demographer at BYU and told me about the reasons why people fall away from the LDS church. And it's assumed by everybody that it's doctrine. Well, that is, I think, the case now where uh, more is being let out of the gate. But back then, it was entirely social. It was people that they didn't really have any problem with the doctrine as much as they did with the people who were practicing it. That's that's the reason I fell away. Right. Um, it's And that can be a really powerful mm-hmm. force because when you're in an— in, a, in an environment where your behavior and the way you think is under constant judgment, you have to get something out of it mm-hmm. in order to pay, you know to put up with that. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand why some people don't. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, uh, I think in my case, probably it, it wouldn't have mattered what religion I was in. Mm-hmm. I would have just at some point in 16, 17, what have it, I'd happen to be the LDS church, but I think if I'd been a, uh, you know, a Catholic or a, 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 a Lutheran, I would have said, nah, I'm, I don't, this is not for me. Well, the way we're raised has a, a big say in what we think about things, yeah. but eventually you reach a point where you start thinking for yourself and your belief system in anything is based largely on your personality. And I can look across the mic here and know that I'm looking at a fellow skeptic. <laughs> well, yeah. just It's just the way we think. And so we have to come up with ways to deal with it. You chose to leave. I chose to stay. But it was going to be on my own terms. That's, and and that, that is clear in your columns that you write when you write about your religion, when you write about the Mormon Church, which you do a lot, but that's not, yeah, all, sure. you, that's not all you write about. Uh, so you you got got back from your mission and uh, you became a cop, right? Go figure. Yeah. How did uh, was that because of your military background? Why did right. you choose that? Um, well, I was working as a carpenter and we had a lot of it was seasonal work and so it was difficult to get a steady income. Um, you had a wife at that time, pretty oh, yeah. pretty soon after you got back from your mission, and, right? Um, she married me, and then found out that my idea of money management was to cash my check and put the money under the seat in my car. <laughs> yeah, and she said, "Oh no, you're not interesting. You're just stupid." <laughs> I thought, what I thought was fascinating is <laughs> just dim wittedness, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, it's horrible when they find out what you really are. I it? am astonished yeah. that she stayed with me all these years. How long have you been married? Forty-three years. Oh my God! Up. How many kids? We had three daughters and nine grandkids. Great, great. So anyway, you you decided to go into the uh, police police work. She was reading a newspaper, saw that there was a position for a patrolman in Grantsville, Twila County, mm-hmm. and uh, I went out and applied. And I'd just been to the military police school, and so this was back in the day where you could hire somebody to be a police officer, and then you had. 18 months before you were required by law to send him to the police academy. Hmm. So I went from being an unemployed carpenter to a police officer literally overnight. And then at some point you you went to the academy? Right, about a year later. And uh, police work in Grantsville, and I think I saw you worked in Springville. Springville for 10 years. I was a cop for a total of 11 years. Uh, And and so did you, you you liked it okay, or you, you didn't like it, or... 
I liked it okay, but I didn't like what it was doing to me. The Tribune just ran a series on the murder of Officer Ron Wood and uh, what it did to some of his best friends, including my younger brother, who was a cop Hmm. for West Jordan. And it's one of those things where if you do a lot of introspective thinking, you come to terms with, yeah, there's a lot of sort of prestige and power and things like this associated with his job, but it's not a good fit for my personality. Yeah. And what, how, what do you make of uh, all of this? Uh, I mean, you know police. You know what? Sure. You, you kind of know how they think. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, what do you make of all of this um, stuff that's going on right now with police shooting people, black people, uh, throwing people around? You see more and more of it because there are more and more people with phones that can right, record yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But is there, it's, is there more of it now, do you think, of that kind of thing? And, and I mean, I, the police get their own amount of shit thrown back at them. There's sure. no doubt about it. But there's, there seems to be a lot of anger, angry cops right now. Is, is that, do you think there that's are, true? I think there's a lot of cops on edge. Yeah. Not necessarily angry, but... I mean, I went through the shooting simulator out at the AG's office not too long ago. And even though I'd been a cop, I screwed a couple of them up really good. Well, you shot you shot the wrong person. And or the, didn't shoot the or, person when I should have, and then they shot somebody else. Okay. And, I should do that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, you should. In fact, I think every media person ought to do that mm-hmm. just in order to get a sense of what it's like to be put under that kind of pressure. Is that Sean, Sean Reyes would I'd get a hold of his office and they'd... Yeah, or I can put you in touch with the guy who runs okay, it. Okay, that'd be really fascinating. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Yeah, we'll do that. And, uh, yeah, it's an eye-opener, but... Oh, that, cops on edge. That's yeah, what. cops on edge. That's something that's kind of fascinated me. Uh, I'm a historian. I do a lot of reading of old Utah newspapers. I love Utah history, not necessarily about the church, but about how people lived in Utah from the very beginning all the way down to the end. And in 1920, the chief of police in Salt Lake City told, gathered all his officers together. Uh, he had about, I don't know, 200 John Doe warrants. He said, I want you to go out and stop everybody you see and find out if they have a legitimate reason for being there. Um, Salt Lake City had a was had a rampant crime problem. So mostly it was a stop and frisk. That, yeah, that right. stop and frisk. List. Essentially, what it was, and they mm-hmm. they arrested a lot of people. And if you resisted them, they beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And if you ran, they fired a shot in the air. And if you kept running, they shot you. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they filled up. Uh, like a warehouse full of people and uh, took them before the judge and the judge gave them what was called a floater, meaning that you had 24 hours to get out of town or do 60 days on the city rock pile. And you think about that behavior today, you know, the police Mm -hmm. being that oppressive and it shocks us, but look how police work has changed down through the years where now we have um, rights you know, to an attorney, we have a right not to incriminate ourselves. Um, police can't just kick in the doors of our houses mm-hmm. and search it without some sort of approval from more level heads. Yeah. and uh, Which is a good thing. Which all of those are very good things, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have shooting review boards 
that um, monitor the behavior of police to see whether something was justified or not. All of these changes that have gone on in law enforcement, there's one thing that hasn't changed. I see where you're going here. Yeah, the public. Yeah. We're every bit as violent and greedy and malicious and prone to all sorts of misbehavior as we were you know, 100 years ago. Yeah. And and the and the police the police are not paid very much. I mean right on the the the, the beginning cops and right. they're not paid much out there on the street and there's a lot of pressure on them because of all these we've given uh the, we've given the violent population all of these rights and that's what mm. puts them on edge. Right. I mean it's very difficult to I mean, you can give people freedom, but you can't give them the responsibility to use it wisely. It's a, it's it's those stories that uh, that come out sometimes that that are always really surprising when and they say this hero cop didn't even draw his gun and talked, you know, somebody. Those are personal calls that have to be made yeah. within a matter of seconds. But those those, those stories kind of pop up too as being, you know, remarkable stories of heroism by the police. Decides not to draw his gun. Decides not to shoot the suspect where he probably he could have shot the suspect given what was happening. We have 142 fallen officers in the state of Utah, beginning with the first one in 1853, and I can point to about half of them, and tell you what went wrong what they did that was wrong that got them killed really yeah were they be trying to be too fair trying to be is Um, there a general thing you can say about it um it's just not being aware of the situation not taking proper precautions i mean some of the deaths are there was no way they were going to avoid them yeah um they just didn't see it coming do you feel like um changes should be made to like how cops are trained i mean if half the deaths are doing something wrong is there maybe better training or sure we've we've lowered the rate of police officers being murdered the worst time to be a police officer in the state of utah was from 1895 to about 1925 40 percent of all utah's murdered police officers fell during that Mm -hmm. 30-year period so it's gotten way better Gotten it's gotten better because oh, yeah, it's the training much is, yeah. because of the training, the equipment, that mm. sort of thing. It's fascinating. You could, we could just sit here and talk about uh, co- cop work all day. I don't yeah. love it. I've <laughs> I've had I had uh, Chris Burbank on this podcast mm-hmm. twice because he's I think he's a fascinating guy and he's very articulate yeah. and he's on top of yeah, and, and changes in law enforcement. And still involved in that, I think, and yeah. working with that. Um, well, but let's talk more about Robert Kirby now. Mm. Uh, let's go back to. Um, the Mormon Church, and you uh, talked about, uh, I was reading an old column of yours that's pretty famous, the five different types <laughs> of Mormons, uh, which uh, uh, maybe we could go through those quickly. I sh- I'm sure you remember them off the oh, top yeah, of Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay, so. Uh, you, always, t- you always remember what launched you into a direction that you never thought you'd go. George is Carlin it? had the seven words you can't see on TV. Robert Kirby had is the it? five types of Mormons. It's and the there's, same there's thing. also five kinds of non-Mormons, too. Uh, okay. I wanna, and I wanted to add one to your list of the five types of Mormons, but you do your list and I'll tell you what the one I okay. wanted to add. The, the story is that I'd been writing for a newspaper for about a year or so. We had an editor come in and uh, one evening as I was getting ready to go home, he came and said we had to stop the presses and pull the house editorial. 
so I need you to write one. Can you do that really fast? And I said, yeah. Was this for the Tribune? No, this is for a small, now defunct newspaper in Utah County. And when I say defunct, it's not because of me. <laughs> Had you quit cops, cop work yeah, by this right. time? You, were, you devoted yourself full-time to yeah, writing. Yeah, the, the idea was that I get a job in a newspaper and they would teach me how to write. I barely got out of high school. I mean, let's be honest. Is that true? Yeah. That's interesting. I was going to ask you where you learned to write and how you did it, and you learned it on the job. Uh, I learned I it on the job, but I'd always been interested in writing and reading. You and, read a lot? Yeah. and I've, Most good writers, you find, they they read a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so, he says, stop the presses. we got to fix this editorial. He said, can you come up with a house editorial, which is essentially the newspaper's position on a given subject or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. You know, I was still largely just this cop who knew how to spell. <laughs> and uh, so I sat down and I pounded out in 20 minutes this Five Kinds of Mormon thing. And I was able to do it so quickly because I am a Mormon. I've been one my whole life. And two, I've been to church the day before. <laughs> it was on top <laughs> so of mind. It was on my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I rattled off how, you know, the five kinds of Mormons, how to recognize them, believing it to be sort of a public service. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me like you ought to know who you're dealing with. Sure. So there are liberal Mormons, and there are becoming more of them than there were, you know, say 20 years ago when I first wrote that. Mm -hmm. But they're still very much in the minority. You have genuine Mormons, I mean, people who actually get and apply wisely the principles taught by the church. And there's, I think, nine of them. Nine? (laughs) There was one in England, but she died. (laughs) Um, you have conservative Mormons, which makes up the largest block of Mormons. Then you have Orthodox Mormons, who are taking it to a little bit more of an extreme, all the way to Nazi Mormonism. Oh, they are the ones that put their hands on their hips and go, <clears throat> no, you can't, you shouldn't do that. Or they won't lick their lips on Fast Sunday or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I wanted to add one to that. Okay, and shoot. It's, uh, somebody told me that I was a, a cultural Mormon. <laughs> that means that because I always thought, you know, I always thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to be a, be Jewish, to be a Jew, because you have this history right. behind yeah. you, you know, a Catholicism, this long history of, you know, or if I were uh, um, a Muslim, I would have some foundation, and even if I didn't practice. I would have that cultural history behind me. And sh- this woman said, well, you, you do have that. You grew up here. You, you were a, in the Mormon church. You know about it. You know it's, it, it is your culture. You're a cultural Well, you, ha- you have to consider that Mormonism just kind of burst onto the religion scene mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to other religions that have been around for thousands of years. And um, it's cultural to us because... We largely proselyted in specific areas of the world, okay? Mm. England, Scandinavia, so, that sort of mm, thing. Yeah. So you get all these, you know, people whose skin you can almost see through, bring them out yeah. here to Utah. Right. And then you're yeah. baptizing people who personally are willing to, you know, convert. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting the same thought processes yeah. and you bring them all to Utah then you intermarry mm-hmm. and pretty soon you've got a new tribe 
Yeah, and it's, it is fascinating that it's, uh, it, it was, may, is it still the fastest growing religion, or was the fastest growing religion at one point? I have no idea at this particular mm. point, yeah, um, I, because, I mean, yeah, we convert a lot of people, but our back door's banging around in the wind. Yeah, so, so you write this, and they put it in the uh, uh, paper, and, and... Well, not right away. The editor called me that night and said, what the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> Because that's this, not I mean, what I want. This is down in Utah County, yeah. you know. And yeah. He said, you know, we're going to hear about this. And he was right because it ran the next day. He did run it. He did run it with a picture of me next to it. and So that, <laughs> so that people could find you if yeah, they right. needed it. It's him. They get, there, yeah, there, <laughs> there he, he is. is. Get him. <laughs> and and uh, what happened? The publisher of the paper didn't particularly care for it. Um, came in, yelled at the um, editor. editor about mm-hmm. the bad journalistic sense it was mm-hmm. to write something in what essentially was the Tehran of Utah. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to steal that. I'm okay. <laughs> Utah County, the Tehran of Utah. <laughs> right. Um, and he went back up to his office and he wrote the first one letter to the editor. So the irony here is... We had the um, newspaper's editor write a letter to the newspaper's, or the newspaper's publisher, write a letter to the newspaper's editor telling all the newspaper readers what an idiot one of the newspaper's writers was. This should never have happened, and here's why. Yeah, and... Did he fire the editor? No. Did he fire you? Eventually. Okay. But not Um, for that? Well, we got a massive amount of mail feedback. Um, over five kinds of Mormons. and it, I mean, five kinds of Mormons went everywhere in the Mormon world in like five kinds of minutes. Yeah. What we, What year was that? That would have been 1992, I think. Mm. Pro- that really catapulted you into the public eye. Well, I realized that the this then that the sort of thoughts that went on in my head in church actually had a marketability to them. And uh, so I started lampooning the way Mormons behave. Which has nothing to do with, um, say, the doctrine per se, but more how we interpret it and how we yeah. behave. I mean, it's it's like uh, Cal Grandal up in uh, up in Ogden. Oh yeah, he's one car- of my. <laughs> he's, he's great. One of my major influences. Yeah, he's a great cartoonist. Is he is he still doing stuff? Mm-mm. No, I don't even know if he's still alive. No, he is. He is very very much alive. Uh, good. Well, good. That's and good still to know. crazy. Yeah, he. But he would do cartoons about the about the Mormon Church that were just great, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. hilarious. One panel, mostly cartoons, and like Bagley does, and mm-hmm. and he was he was great, and and it was, but it was never sacrilegious. It depends on what kind of Mormon you are. Which of those uh, five? Yeah. That's true. So, but your your so your columns, you do stuff like that. I just read the one, reread the one, uh, selling marijuana in the church library. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, that's that's pretty edgy, and you really did that. Yeah, I did. You uh, tell the story, but for people who haven't read the column, um, I recently changed wards. I moved into a home where my wife and I expect to retire, and. Um, Maybe Doing. any day now. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so they knew who they were getting in the ward. I mean, mm-hmm. the first Sunday we went, 
um, my wife and I together. She typically goes to another church, but she went just to introduce herself to the neighborhood. And you mean they, she goes to another ward or another church? Another church. Really? She's an evangelical Christian now. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I still love her to pieces. God, what a fascinating life you have. It's, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> anyway. Hence the but, weed. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the look on Robert's face, though, when he said, I still love her to pieces, and it's... Uh, yeah, I do. You could almost cry right now, couldn't you? Yeah, she's the center of my universe. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that is almost making me cry. Anyway, so you're in the you're, you're in the new ward, and uh, so the second Sunday, she goes back to her church, and I go to the new ward, mm-hmm. and I sit in my usual seat that I sat in in the old ward, which is in the center pew, you know, the really long ones, mm-hmm. um, second one from the back. And, uh, right in the middle is where you like to sit? Yeah, right okay. in the middle. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, I had that pew entirely to myself <laughs> <laughs> until after the sacrament, you know, and they opened the doors mm-hmm. in to let the latecomers in. Mm-hmm. And then people sat down and, hmm. Hmm. I know who I'm that is. this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, I have a good bishop. I do. Uh, he understands me. And so they put me in the library, which I think is because it's got a door on it. <laughs> and if they have to, they can shut it. <clears throat> and what do you, what, what's your job being, a, that's your calling, I yeah, guess. Yeah, my calling, that's to hand out lesson materials and supplies to people as okay. they come in. All right. <clears throat> well, I had this lady come in <clears throat> who was, had, you know, was making the same thing with her hands that I do, which is squeezing rubbing them together. Them. Yeah, squeezing them. And- yeah, arthritis. Yeah. And um, she said her hands hurt a lot. And uh, the first thing that popped in my head, and this is probably just because it's the way I think, I said, give me a quarter. <laughs> give me a quarter. All yeah. Right. And she said, why? And I said, well, trust me, give me a quarter. You're going to be glad you did. So she fishes around in her perch, <laughs> comes out with a quarter, and I – set this jar of marijuana cream. You know, it's 50% CBD and 50% THC mm-hmm. down. And I said, put some of this on your hands. And she, and now, you didn't tell her what it was. Uh, no, I probably should have because, you that know. Been, that probably would have been the fair thing to do. Yeah. yeah um, it's like you should. It was almost like you slipped her a Mickey. Yeah, what if she gets pee tested at work or yeah, something? Yeah. Um, but she sniffed it, and I think she had a clue what it was it's pretty potent smelling stuff yeah it is which that actually works to my favor (laughs) um so she put it on and came back an hour later after class was over and told me that really worked you know and so we talked about it and that's a great column too it is selling weed at church selling weed at church (laughs) so that that was the gist of it and uh did anybody give you any crap about that Mm, a little bit online yeah do you do you read that? Do you look at the online comments? No, it's like well, you try. It's not like to. A, going into a public re- uh, restroom for the atmosphere. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. I mean, it is. There, I, I stopped. I stopped trying to look at those things because they're just people are just assholes most of the time. You know? Yeah, I think we agree on that. Yeah. So selling weed at church, no problem. And then you also I uh, read a column of yours uh, that was about. Uh, uh, marijuana lozenges as well yeah. but all these things are illegal yeah 
So well, that got to do with anything? Well, I mean, you're a former cop. You, well, that doesn't mean that I don't speed or, you know. Or or, or use marijuana laws. Or, or shoot something. shoot cannons in my backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me that, uh, uh, well, I guess you know where the lines are. Yeah, you know, I'm 65 years old, or will be here in a few weeks. And some of it I learned because, well, I was born in 1953, and I went all through all the lower grades in school being this kid with ADD who was considered to be stupid or lazy or whatever. And I wasn't lazy, and I wasn't necessarily stupid. I just wasn't interested in what they were talking about. I wanted to learn, but I wanted to learn the things I wanted to know, yeah, not what they insisted on. And uh, so I was very disruptive and hard to handle, got in a lot of trouble uh, when I was later a teenager. <clears throat> and um, so you learn, I think that's where the humor part comes in, is because it's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, when you move as many times as we did. You were yeah, in a military family. Right, yeah. so it's like... 18, 19 different homes by the time I was 21. That's why you were in Spain with that sweet-smelling teacher with the ruler. Mm, yeah, Miss Bodie. Yeah. <laughs> See, there he goes. <laughs> Off to Miss <laughs> Bodie. <laughs> it's amazing how often she has spared me yeah. um, some really horrible high council <laughs> meetings. <laughs> really? Oh, you mean while you're in the meeting? Yeah. You just think about Miss Bodie. You're listening to the high councilman talk, and I think, oh, Miss Bodie, where are you? Yeah. So, so that is this is all by way of explaining how you know where the lines are drawn. Right. I mean, essentially, I, when it comes to Mormonism, I am writing about my own family, which means I can call my sister a bitch, but you better not. Gotcha. Um, and, it, and it goes out. Um, to just about that far, but you can cross the line accidentally depending on who's reading your column. Like, I I got along very well with President Hinckley. This guy had a ripping sense of humor. That's what I understand. And whenever I heard him talk, he always had a bemused kind of look on his face and tone. Am I right about that? He always seemed like a nice guy, and he was always kind of whimsical and bemused. Mm -hmm. Right. And... He underst- I think he understood how to use that yeah. in a context that would get people to relax. Well, he, was, he went on 60 Minutes, I r- recall. Yeah, Mike, Mike right. Wallace. Was it Mike Wallace who interviewed him, I think, who can be kind of tough? Yeah. He, the and, only thing I disagreed with in the interview was um, President Hinckley saying, we're not a weird people. The hell we're not. <laughs> we're not a weird They are <laughs> yeah, a weird, kind yeah, of a we weird are people. Weird. But he, but he was great in that interview, just overall, just sure. how he handled it. Nothing seemed to ruffle him. He was, you know, very, very articulate. And, and, and I remember when I was a little kid, David O. McKay, mm-hmm. uh, kind right. of not, not that whimsical, but he had that just that kind of saintly sort of sweetness about him that was great. Right. When you're, you're a little kid like we were, you know, you look at him and that was kind of the personification of God, you know, yeah, gray oh, yeah. hair, kindly gentleman. Big, big flow white hair, and yeah, he was great. I don't, I'm now reminiscing in our our favorite <laughs> prophets here, which is pretty weird. See, I'm a cultural Mormon. Yeah, you are. Yeah, uh, uh, but anyway, you, you so you know, you usually know where the line is. Have you well, ever been, have you ever been reprimanded by yeah. the church and uh, mm-hmm. said, I wouldn't call it reprimand, reprimanded so much as, called on to 
you know, wasn't called on the carpet. They've always been very polite whenever I've run into them. I have general authorities who I consider to be good friends. Um, and, and during the course of business over the years, I would bump into some of them. And they, mm-hmm. They've always been very cordial, except for one whose name I'm not going to mention. I know who it is, I yeah. bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'll ask you off the uh, when we're not on. All right. I'll ask you. Um, well, that's, I mean... Uh, now you're facing. Uh, uh, are we done with that topic? I think. No. Okay. Hang on I'm just sorry. a second. Okay. Let's, humor operates out on the edge. I mean, something right. it's spontaneous yep. and it's either funny or it's not. Mm-hmm. All right. And the only way you can make it be funny when it's not is when you're drunk or whatever. <laughs> and um, so you're operating out there on the edge, and sometimes accidentally you can go too far, or sometimes even deliberately you push it. Mm-hmm. Um, to see what you can get away with. Um, My current editor, Dave, at the Tribune, we have a huge argument going on over whether dumbass is actually a swear word. You know, when you're thinking about a dumbass, you're usually thinking about a mule or something like that. But um, unlettered people will think about, well, their ass. Yeah, no, I I, I just think of a stupid person right the uh, the, the, uh, the uh, 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 a butt never comes into my mind at all <laughs> i mean <laughs> I about that you know about that topic about that most particular of the day word. there are other times of the day that's there are some times where a butt comes into my mind but so is that's inter- that's fa- fascinating you have to go through those things well i mean we are talking about a newspaper which <sighs> sent, you know people have to abide by certain standards so i can understand where he's coming from but, I don't, you know, I got in trouble one time where people were asking me, you know, aren't you afraid of church leaders because this is uh, some pretty edgy stuff you're writing? And I got tired of being asked that. And I knew why they were asking other LDS writers had been excommunicated or disciplined by the church yeah. for that. And so since I got tired of being asked the question, I wrote a column. I said, I'm not afraid of church leaders because they're old. Because they're old, uh, you could you could beat them up. Yeah, essentially. Oh, I think that's I right. just I read that as a matter of fact. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, I could. And I, I could was fair. <laughs> I said I could beat up the Pope and Mother Teresa. Couldn't take a punch. <laughs> yeah, Billy Graham t- was sick. <laughs> Jerry Falwell was kind of short and dumpy. So Mother Teresa couldn't take a punch. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and so, why would anyone be afraid of church leaders? Yeah. And, um, a couple weeks later, after that column ran, I got called in by my stake president who had a letter from one of the brethren, you know, addressing this, you know, saying that you could beat up this spiritual leader of, you know, millions mm-hmm. of people, might be pushing it a little too far, especially if you wanted to maintain your relationship with them. And um, so I ended up in a telephone conversation slash interview with this general authority. He's no longer alive. Um, very cordial man. Mm-hmm. explained his side of that and asked me if I would be willing as a personal favor to him to treat certain subjects with a little more sensitivity. And yeah, I, I agreed to do that. It was a reasonable request. And I know that would bother some people out there like anti-Mormons mm-hmm. that I would allow the church to have some say in what it is I write. Well, my wife has all the say she wants. It's yeah. not a matter of shutting me up. It's a matter of keeping me out of out of trouble. And Peggy Fletcher Stack, who is my closest colleague at the Tribune. She's the religion editor for the Tribune. Right. You know, I've run a lot of things past her. Say, what do ah. you think? 
And, is she? Uh, no, I don't know. If she's is she LDS? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know she's a, the, a very well thought of in the um, in the journalism community. Yeah, okay. she's LD. I mean, she has she comes from an LDS background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she you run stuff by her sometimes. Huh? She understands the church very well, and because she has those connections with authorities in the church, she can give me a fairly good idea on, mm-hmm. on you, what they think. So have you ever have you ever been loath, like really disciplined or fired for something you wrote? Mm. Or have you ever had, I mean, I've said things on the radio occasionally that I've had to walk back the next day. Oh, yeah, I mean, that happens. Um, but most of the time it's, I got fired from the job in the newspaper down in Utah County mm. uh, because when I realized that I was on to something here with Mormon lampooning, I wouldn't stop doing it, and they fired me as a result. Mm-hmm. And and, did you go to the Tribune then? Yeah, then mm. the Tribune. Well, I actually went to the Daily Herald. I freelanced for a couple of years, and then the Tribune, where I had been running a column one day a week, oh, um, brought me on full-time. Mm. So that's been a career, uh, and now things are things look kind of tough. Yeah, they uh, are. You just wrote a column about that. Was it today that I I read it? Uh, yeah, this morning. This morning um, about <clears throat> what happened. Now we we read in the Tribune two days ago, I think, and then it was also in the Deseret News that uh, Paul uh, Huntsman, the mm-hmm. publisher owner, right of the of the Tribune called everybody together the what is it how many employees there now there are about 90 of us 90 when there there used to be a couple of hundred <laughs> yeah you know now there's 90 people working at the tribune uh and called everybody together and said times are t- tough things are not going as well as i'd hoped and there are g- going to be cutbacks in the how we do the printed paper which I hate, which i hate you know, I'm. People say you're. I'm. I like newspaper. Now I get a lot of news on my phone and mm-hmm. my computer. I'm not. Right. I'm not stupid. I know. I know that that's where things break a lot. But I like to sit down and read a paper when I get a chance. That's my wife's attitude. She wants the newspaper in her hand. And that. And the thing that's nice about a newspaper that people don't understand is that you, when you're reading the newspaper, you will always find something that you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. There'll be some story, you'll you'll be, oh, huh, there's a story about something in, I don't know, uh, Uruguay that I I didn't, I didn't know, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, whereas mostly when you're doing stuff on your computer, you're looking for things that you want to know about. Right. You, it's a lot of times you just don't find things that surprise you in the news because you're, does that make sense? It's very selective what it'll serve up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so so uh, uh, Huntsman Paul Huntsman says we're going to cut back and people are going to get laid off, uh, and the paper's going to be smaller. Uh, that's that's. I'm curious as to why he did that. You, you, in your column, you seem to you you gave him chops for doing that. You thought that he was that that was a good thing for him to do, mm-hmm. but he's left people on tenterhooks. Saying, yeah, but he's also left people thinking about the future of the news business. You know, I do. I respect Paul Huntsman a great deal. His father, um, John Huntsman Sr., was one of the people I respect the most in the world. Mm -hmm. 
Um, she saved my life's wife's life when she got cancer um, by insisting on us coming up to the Huntsman Center. We were living down in Utah County at the time. So I think it was nice after being owned by a hedge fund for so long. Oh, as you put it, I quote, okay. as you put it, those feces-eating feces hedge fund hyenas. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bitter. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were awful, I know. Um that you actually had an owner that cared about you enough to come in and, and give you the news face to face and then allow himself to be questioned. So, yeah, I gave him chops for that. He deserved it. Um, on the other hand, we live in a changing world. And it's changing a lot faster than we think. The Ironically, I just got done reading some newspapers from the Salt Lake Tribune from 1909, uh, where a military officer, a general, says that n- airplanes will never play a major role on the battlefield, mm-hmm. ever, yeah. according to him. And this is a guy who supposedly understood war. Yeah. What he didn't understand was the change in technology mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. And so Paul addressing us and telling us these things and sort of putting people on tent or hooks, as you said, um, actually is a favor to them mm. to start thinking about their future and yeah. how it relates to the changing market. I mean, radio's been through still, similar things. St- st- yeah. Still going. We're, we're undergoing very similar situations as right. newspaper. And uh, it's not done with us yet. We'll still have to reinvent ourselves and probably be doing it 10 years from now. Would you like to be doing it 10 years from now? I'm going to do this until my brain stops working. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's the people say to me, are you going to retire at any point or anything? I said, well, I guess the only thing that would make me think of or even think about it is if, you know, one day they just come in and turn off the microphone and turn off the lights and say, okay, it's time to go home. Mm -hmm, And then I'll get, oh, I guess I'm done. No, we'll see if we if I survive this round of layoffs. Uh, do you, you know, I I wish that there were somebody, some genius, who had the answer to all of this. That somebody, you know, I, I just want to, I want a savior in this situation. <laughs> I want a savior. I want somebody to come forth and say, I know the way. I know the way through all of this that newspapers and radio um, and other media outlets are going through. I know the way. Here's how we do it. And, and here's how we make money. Yeah, that's but the, if, that's the thing. If you had that person, you wouldn't believe him. You think? <laughs> that's usually how it works. You know, What's somebody the leading the way yeah. <clears throat> against the best um, beliefs of those around them. They, they yeah. tend to be radical. They tend to annoy a lot of people, terrify a lot of people yeah. when they come along, and that's generally why we kill them. God, that would be a really good place to end this interview. <laughs> uh, you know, I I could sit here. Let's do this once a week. <laughs> this is because uh, there are so many other things that come to mind that I'd like to talk to you about, which I don't know if it would interest anybody other than me. And hopefully you. Yeah, I mean, this has been a good conversation. <clears throat> yeah. What I like about discussing the LDS Church um, with a reasonable person is that you can have a conversation and bring your view of it from a different direction, 
and not have rancor mm-hmm. enter into the equation. Yeah, I mean, nothing Nothing about the LDS Church makes me angry, really. I, I understand why they do what they do when they dabble in in politics and try to keep the try right. to keep the culture the way it is uh i understand why they do it that's why it doesn't make me angry i don't like it sometimes sure but it doesn't make me mad yeah they're they're defending their position and they're trying to defend the lds church is trying to defend something that is becoming increasingly harder to defend yeah i think that sums it up very nicely and and they know it they're not <clears throat> stupid no they're not they're not stupid they they know they, for instance, the 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 uh, whole um, issue on gay, the the gay parents of children, you know, children who have gay parents, uh, and and saying that those parents are apostates. Now, see, you're now, starting to piss me off. <clears throat> see, well, uh, people. First of all, people listening to this may not even understand the gravity right. of what that means. Yeah. But I mean, that's essentially telling those kids, your parents are going to go into outer darkness when they die, and you'll never see them again. Right. That's it. They're done. And that's a pr- very harsh thing to do. Yes, I agree. But I understand why they're doing it. They have to have some ground, solid ground to stand on, because everything else around is starting to get mushy. You know, they're looking for that rock, that position where they can say, okay, here's where we take a stand. One of the advantages I have is I read my um, my great-great-great-grandfather's brother's journal. They came to America together because of the church. And if you could, recog- or if you could resurrect Thomas Kirby, um, he wouldn't, he'd have a hard time recognizing the church today. The church he believed in is much different than the church that— um, What was the church he believed in? Oh, polygamy, United Order, that sort of stuff. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. very apocalyptic-minded. Yeah, know, the end is Jesus the end is, is coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and need to get as many wives as I can before then. Mm-hmm. And he actually served time in the territorial slammer for being a polygamist. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother, my ancestor. Um, never became a polygamist, so he was kind of the opposite of Thomas. Mm-hmm. But it's very clear from Thomas's journals and his writings that he would not have been able to make the transitions that the church has made over the years um, had, he, had they been compressed into his lifetime. No, I think some, there were some people who lived long enough to see a lot of changes that it was all of that was difficult for them i'm sure mm-hmm. i'm sure it's difficult for my mother-in-law you know it's to see she's 80 to see how things have changed and you know i it's it's sometimes you just say you've got to say well you're on the wrong side of history mm-hmm. but but then again i would say i'm if I say you're on the wrong side of history, that doesn't mean I'm on the right side of history. Right. I'm not sure where that side is. Right. That's what I would say. Well, one of the hard, toughest things human beings have to do is to con- understand that they're operating from a point of at least some ignorance. That they don't know what's coming. They don't really understand what happened. They're arguing with their emotions. And, you know, if you could fast forward the, LD- the time to the LDS Church in 50 years. 50 gonna, years from now. 50 years from now, there are going to be a lot of people eating crow. 
yeah. for the stuff that they stuck to. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, it's there. There will be, and it's coming so soon, and it's coming faster than they think. It, and it's not. I think even fifty years. It's going. You know, there will be, there will be legal marijuana in the state of Utah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, they, they, the wave is coming. But they, they must see that. They must know that's true. Well, if Maybe they know it, if they know it, it's something that they resist. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like gay marriage. And mm-hmm. I, I've told this story all the time, but I still love telling it. I was standing with Gary Herbert, and I said, "Governor, what are you going to do when there's gay marriage in the state of Utah?" And he said, "Well, I don't think that's going to happen." And I said. I think you're on the wrong side of this yeah. issue, and there it's going to happen. He said, "Well, I don't agree with it." I've actually married a couple of gay couples, and, and he. But he, to Gary Herbert's credit, he did say, "If it happens, my job is to uphold the law, and I'll do that." that I've known Gary Herbert for quite a while. He's a nice guy, and uh, yeah, he is. We don't agree politically, but he he understands what his job as governor is. Yeah. He's he's the CEO of this state, and he's got wants to keep it running as best he can. And he understands that when something's law, it's law. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, see, I said we were going to end the interview eight minutes ago, ten minutes ago, and here we are. Well, you can end it whenever you want, well, can't you? Yeah, we could. Yeah, let's do it now. Okay. Uh, it's over. That's been a pleasure talking <laughs> to Robert Kirby, political or excuse me, a columnist. Not not you're not you're a what do you think a humor columnist a uh, cultural I'm, I'm a shameless idiot <laughs> a shameless <laughs> idiot who does stuff for the salt lake tribune i hope you're doing it for a, a long time to come i would like to think so uh give my best to your fellow workers who i know uh, say hi to pat for me and yeah and uh sean and everybody i wish them nothing but the best me too all right so that's the end of the interview uh okay. let's go eat show mm-hmm. remember if you're pouring the drinks always make mine a double <laughs> Broadway Media Podcast Network.